Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On the driving mall to this week, uh, is rugby all postponed? We've also got a bit of a chat about the top league <clears throat> in Japan. Uh, there's been a fun red card, which we'll discuss. Don't worry, it's not going to be a half-hour deep dive into cards with um, with with Boa. We'll, we will try and keep it a bit shorter than that. Um, we'll also, with all these postponements, what tournaments are actually going to happen this year? This uh, this year, we'll have a quick chat and uh, make some predictions around that. Um, but uh, joining me this evening, I've got uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Once again, a privilege and a pleasure to be on the show. Good to see you, Paul. And Bella as well. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. My highlight of the week, as you all know. Uh, folks, everyone listening at home, again, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, Paul, we have some very interesting uh, chatter. What's happening and what isn't? So let's get right <laughs> yes, to more, it. Yes, more what isn't happening. Well, before we get right into it, I've got a little a little quiz for you two. And we'll, um, we'll, we'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll go alternative. Alternative. I've got the top five point scorers for the All Blacks in test matches. Stephen, can you name what, number one? The top um, point scorer for the All Blacks. I would ever. say Dan Carter would be right up there. Yep, so Dan Carter is number one. Boa, can you give us number two? Andrew Mertens? Yes, spot on. Uh, he's number two. Stephen, back for you for number three. Oh, I'd <laughs> say... Uh, <laughs> I would say Grant Fox. No, he's not. Wow, he's in the top Ooh. five, but he's not number three. So, uh, Boa, can you can you go for can you name number three? Would it be? Hmm. Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson. Sorry, I apologize. Try. We're talking try scorers with we. Outright try, point points, scorers. Point scorers, not try scorers. Uh, I'm going to have a bit of a punt here, and I'm going to say Bowden Barrett. Yes, Bowden Barrett is number three. Wow. Um, Fox is number four, which we've named. Um, so either of you have a guess at number five. Who is the uh, fifth highest scorer? This is one I must. Have, I was a little bit surprised about. Um, is, is it a first five? It's a first five, yes. I think I know it. Go on then. 
Um, I've got two names I'm thinking about. One is that's right. The um, first and the second name. That's what most people have. So yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got, I'm going to split this around two. Carlos, Carlos Spencer and Simon Colhane. Well, no and no. Wow. Yeah, for either of those. Um, Surprisingly, them, would it be Richie Monga? No, it wouldn't. No, not a Norwich Monga either. With 322 points, Aaron Cruden is number five. Bit of a surprise right. there. Wow. So, um, yeah, I must say, yeah. So I was uh, say I was it's, it's uh, and the All Blacks uh, shared it on their Facebook page earlier today. So thank you to the uh, to the All Blacks. But there, there they there they are. Dan Carter on uh, 1,598. <clears throat> uh, a big gap back to, to uh, Andrew Merton's on just nine, 967. Didn't quite break that 1,000 mark. Bowden Barrett then, 649. And obviously with some time still to go. Grant Fox, 645. Uh, and then finally Aaron Cruden there on 322. So, yeah, I was surprised that... Uh, I'm surprised Aaron Cruden, but um, yeah, you've got more points than or higher up the list than I expected. I, 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 I don't think the actual numbers that that surprising. I guess it just shows you how few test matches and how two points or how, how uh, two points um, penalties meant they didn't score quite so many points. Um, yeah, and I would say Aaron Cruden has scored some very crucial points, as in some very crucial kicks to actually get the All Blacks uh, into match winning and also that uh, game against Ireland where Ireland were leading the All Blacks on the hooter and the All Blacks, I think, went, was it 27 faces? And the first kick from the left-hand corner was, in fact, illegally charged down. And I remember referee Nigel Owen uh, asking the Irish to retreat back and uh, the, penalty was to, uh, the penalty against them was they cannot charge the second conversion. Cool as ice. Um, yeah, Aaron Cruden brings it over. All Blacks home and host. Well, for, from memory, he actually missed the first kick. It wasn't actually charged down, but they charged early. Um, Sorry, they then, charged early. That's right. And yeah. then Nigel Owen said you couldn't charge because that was the penalty against them for charging early. Yep. Bang on. Oh. So, yes, um, back in the day. Now, um, another quick one because... Uh, um, is have you seen the red card given to in a pro div two um, uh, to the uh, uh, player? Um, oh, what was his name? Josiah um, Ruske, who was uh, on the uh, visiting side. Uh, his side were were, um, uh, were were close, or Nevers were close uh, to, to uh, uh, were leading just 30-25 with time running out. Uh, defending their line, uh, the referee whistles in Nevers' favour, and uh, uh, then he then picks up the referee in the air in celebration, um, and then puts him down, uh, and gets red carded. What were your What were your thoughts um, on on that one? On, on that one, Stephen. Um, first of all, when I was watching it, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. For starters, <laughs> I, I actually thought it was one of his teammates, and then I thought, my God. She lifted up the referee, gave him a bit of a wedgie, and I thought this is not going to end well. And that's pretty much I what, what what I thought would happen. You listen, you can't touch the referee. I know in football, the round ball code they come down very very harshly on uh, handing the referee. In fact, the other alternate overboard 
football code uh, rugby league if you touch or manhandle the referee uh, yeah, you could go for a skate, so no surprise there. It was a little funny. We shouldn't laugh, but it was hilarious. Uh, silly and funny, but red card was my view. Bella? Yeah, look, um, I did see both red cards from this week. In fact, there should have been a third red card. Thank God there wasn't. The Kyle Sinclair incident with Kyle Dickinson, his former teammate oh. at club, club level, for a bit of swearing, but that's that's what we're talking about. Um yeah, look, bottom line is you you just can't touch the ref. It's that simple. You know, uh, I know it was a it was a it was almost like a cherubic little cuddle and lift. Uh, so it's gone viral on the internet with the Lion King meme um, <laughs> and the, and the theme music to back it up. Uh, look, red card for stupidity and clumsiness. Uh, and this 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 brings oh, yeah, into uh, clumsy. I think it was, it was quite deliberate. I mean, he, he wasn't clumsy about it at all. He was very safely putting back down again. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, so, right. silly well, red, red red guard for stupidity. And and, and yeah. this is where I think uh, an orange guard would be an ideal orange guard. He he he'll he'll probably get further sanctioned as well. He'll probably mm-hmm. get a couple of weeks. You just cannot lay a finger on the referees. Period. You have to respect the ref. Red guard, right call. Mind yep. you, on, on, on saying all that, uh, the referee, Lawrence Milot, uh, be a handy guy to chuck up in the line-out. Only a little guy, so, you know, chuck him up at the front of the line-out. Yeah, <laughs> chuck him up at the front of the line As Simon says, yeah, it's a shame that that's the, uh, it's, it's the, that the only Pro Div 2 coverage outside of France is when basically something goes wrong. Either there's a fight um, or there's a red card for something like this. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, they don't get much coverage for Pro Div 2. <clears throat> Um, as you say, Carl Sinclair swearing at the referee, um, saying you effing can't, you're, you're effing joking, um, was uh, yeah should also have been a straight red um, as well. Uh, yeah, if you that. gentlemen recall, Dylan Hartley, I think it was four maybe five years ago, in the Heineken Cup, he swore at uh, the world's greatest referee, the world's greatest referee, Wayne Butts, was a straight red card. So yeah, again, you know this sort of into, uh, indiscipline can, it can't be tolerated. It's, it's a very bad example. It should have been a straight red card as well. And uh, it's uh, there's, there's, there's there's been a lot of opinions on this, but uh, yeah, you, you just you just cannot verbally or physically abuse the referee. It's just absolutely yeah. Wrong. I mean, to, to be to be to be fair, the um, the uh, the Hart, Dylan Hartley one, uh, he said you you effing cheat. Um, now he claims it was at the opposition player. But um, if the Wayne Barnes, yeah, I mean, calling the referee a cheat, um, whereas rather than just actually saying the F word at him, uh, is even worse. Um, yeah, suggesting he's cheating. Uh, and let's be honest, Wayne Barnes clearly, yeah, not someone who is who would be a cheat. Um, let's, uh, let's. No, he's, he's just uh, incompetent at, at times. That's all. <laughs> oh, dearing me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 do I do I need to go over uh, all those? Um, you know. D- what are the backward passes and you know so anyway moving on well yes well yes um the uh so um the uh, yeah and Oxford writes he says yes the referee cannot be harassed though and he puts there those standards have been mm-hmm. sliding the last few years absolutely they have um I, I would like the referees to crack down on players much much more um than they do now to be honest but there you go that's just my old man opinion interestingly enough uh, paul i've seen a couple of female referees um uh refereeing the guinness is it the guinness pro pro 14 um in 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 europe and uh they, the players seem to show a lot of respect towards the female officials 
from what I've from what I've seen. That you know, there's not too much bickering and moaning. Moaning, it's sort of yeah, yes, ma'am, and, and and carry on. So, is there anything in that? I think it's something that it's unusual for now, and it's but but when it becomes more the norm, I think that'll disappear. I think that's just I guess that's part of the uh, getting used to the fact they've got female referees. But as soon as it becomes just the same as anyone else, as any of the men, um, then uh, then I think it, I think we'll we'll see them both being treated similarly. To be honest, listen, and I've got yeah. to say they they do a great job. Sorry, boy, they're doing a really good job. I must I must uh, make that comment. No, absolutely. I think look, there's there's two folds. To, to this matter, and you're right. The uh, I think it was Nocturnal uh, made a comment there saying the the, the standards player on field discipline has been sliding. Uh, look, there's, there's there's a couple of things I'd like to actually uh, suggest. Number one is uh, from a professional standards, all clubs I think need to uh, put something down in the written contract where if there is player misconduct, quite specific to do with uh, referee abuse, both physical or verbal, there has to be significant repercussions, both from the club. This is outside the uh, judicial sanctioning. And also one thing I have to say is from a refereeing point of view, over the last maybe six to eight years, we're seeing referees sort of trying to lecture players and give out sermons and, and just, just talk too much on the field. I think that needs to be cut down. And as Stephen rightly pointed out, if with some of the top level professional female referees, we don't see that much chatter. The decision is called and they roll with it because at the end of the day, the referee is not there to coach the players on the field or tell them what or what not. All they are there is to police the game, call the rules for what they are, and and you know make sure that the, the rules are enforced in a positive manner. So I think it's really, really important that from a uh, professional players and, and maybe the union, the professional players union, especially in Europe, can enforce this. This needs to be brought into contract so that there is an additional sanction if some, like, for example, Kyle Sinclair, I think he'll be fronting a judiciary. He'll be obviously handed a sanction. But again, there needs to be financial penalties from a player's contractual point of view so that this sort of rubbish does not be repeated ever again. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just, uh, there definitely needs to be harsh harsh punishments for these. Um, but we did a... Uh, well, actually, uh, another fantastic play um, from... Oh, I've gone blank. The um, French, uh, French scrum half. Um, Dupont. Uh, Dupont. I don't know if you saw, saw his try assist um, this weekend. Yeah, amazing, um, amazing hands and uh, clearly playing some of the best form of his life. I think uh, there's been a lot of uh, stuff on the internet go as well, and the, especially the, the Northern Hemisphere claiming him to be the best halfback in the world as we speak. There are certain elements of his game I do agree. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how he goes up against some of the Southern Hemisphere teams. But then I guess that's something we will visit uh, later <laughs> in the show. See if it's going to happen or not. <laughs> so one of the things, folks, that you want to um, that, that you need to look out for is is, is this try that that weekend where the kick comes through, he chases it, uh, and he one hand bats it. Um, it uh, must be like a like a must be it's like a ten meter pass um, to the winger to go in and score. So yeah, fantastic piece of skill um, that uh, that came off well. Uh, another thing, actually, as um, uh, Stephen was just trying to guess there about what the name of the tournament was. Yes, the Guinness Pro 14 that only currently has 12 teams in it. Um, that once the once the South African teams will join it, will have 16 teams in it. So yes, uh, I understand Stephen why, why you were kind of confused as to why it's called 14, but uh, that's why. Uh, but, but yeah, that's uh, it's all a bit of it's all a bit of a mess uh, with with COVID. 
uh, changing changing things left uh, all over the place um, for them. Well, that's um, all right. At the best of times, most rugby players and administrators can't count. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> There's been some uh, interesting injury replacements um, that have come out today. Uh, Stephen, have you seen those? The the uh, so Josh Mackay and Rennie Ranger for um, I've gone for Braden Enor, uh, and um, uh, and uh, Matalin. Uh, oh yeah, um, Fijian Ringan, Winger yeah. Manasi Mataeli. Manasa um, Mataeli. Manasa Mataeli. Yeah, both of them uh, with uh, similar sort of injuries or pectoral injuries. Um, yeah, Josh Mackay probably not too much of a surprise. But I'm saying that we all know he is a quality player. He's, he's a player we've sort of uh, spoken about who we've we've sort of heard that maybe there's more things happening off the field that's on. But, hey, here's a guy who's given a, a second chance. And, of course, I can think back to the start of the uh, uh, 2019 season where Rennie Ranger actually flew to Christchurch and spoke to Scott Robertson. Unfortunately for Rennie in that 2000. And 19 season didn't play any rugby, so uh, I, I suppose at the end of the day, the uh, Crusaders uh, didn't take the risk. But uh, obviously, through that relationship with Scott Robertson, Rennie Ranger, here you go, playing Super Rugby again for the uh, for the Crusaders. Although maybe there'd be a few police supporters that might be a, a little <laughs> bit upset. But uh, there you go, the Rooster at uh, what 35 years old in uh, 2021 playing Super Rugby again. Although he said, I should give Pam a bit of justice. He is 34, not 35, until uh, October later this year. Well, I think let, let's be. I, I, I think there'll be a bunch of uh, Blues fans actually quite thankful that he's gone to the Crusaders and not to the Blues. Look, is it, uh, to be to be fair to him. Look, uh, fantastic player in his day, um, but too many injuries. I think um, really, and I'm, I'm not sure whether. Uh, yes, he's an experienced head. He's a guy that will go down there. Uh, and will work his socks off uh, during training. Will be a constant professional, uh, and will will not let the side down if required. But my guess is that he will get very little, if any, game time, and will be is only uh, and yeah is there uh, as kind of the uh, the last uh, just just to make sure they've got enough numbers uh, in, in case of injuries personally. But yeah, ooh, ooh. yeah, he's he's actually yeah, look, he's, he, I was going to say he's, he's only on the books for a month. Yeah. I'm, I'm, look, guys, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Rene Ranger. I think if he's fit, wow, he'd be he, a tremendous impact player. He's done some amazing things, as Paul rightly mentioned, in his day. It'll be interesting to see at uh, uh, a spring chicken like 34 years of age, how he's going to pull up. If he's only there for a month, then he will probably want to leave everything on the field. But again, the big question mark is run-on fitness. Definitely got the experience, no question about it. And I think at super rugby level, uh, is, is, is you know he's been a juggernaut. He's been he's been incredible. So it's going to be a very interesting experiment and on how Scott Robertson uses him for that month in his squad, where he fits him in, and uh, what sort of impact and also the experience and how he's going to tie in with some of the Crusaders' attack patterns because the Crusaders they like they love to play that sort of two four four two and play edge to edge rugby uh, and um, yeah. Interesting to see how he goes. I'm, I'm, I must, I must admit, the other other two players that have been um, brought in by the Highlanders, Jack Jack Reagan, the Irishman, saw a bit of him during uh, Mighty Ten Cup, look look relatively uh, uh, promising. And, and Sean Whitty, I've got to admit, Paul, I've probably got to go to Google 
to find out a little bit about uh, Sean Whitty, but I'd, I'd say he's probably a, a promising player from the region. Maybe Nocturnal Rights can probably give us uh, an inside word on that, but uh, obviously Jack Reagan in there for cover for Putty Putty Parkinson. Uh, yep, and uh, also they had um, who uh, there was another player as well that's gone down there uh, for uh, Caleb um, McInay from uh, Hawks Bay uh, is down there as injury cover yes, um, yes, as yes. well. So uh, yeah, quite a few players down there. And and I'll tell you what, another 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 player. Yeah, I just noticed that Nocturnal Rights uh, has, has said that Slade McDowell is too small for Super Rugby, which I totally disagree with. I can think of uh, Daniel Braid and both Daniel Braid and Luke Braid not being the, the biggest uh, loose forwards in the world. Uh, Hell's Teeth, uh, um, Duplessis Kariffi is not the uh, the biggest uh, seven around, but uh, a player I also forgot to mention as well, who used to play for the Ponsonby Club up here in, in Auckland. And boy, we've seen a lot of kids out of that Ponsonby Rugby Club, um, basically head into either Mighty Team Cup Rugby and also Super Rugby, um, oh, Suwani uh, Vakona, uh, the, the hooker who made the Blues. But now we've seen Freedom uh, Vahakalor, um, who had an outstanding season for Otago as well, who um, has made the uh, Highlander squad, and that, that's well-deserved, isn't it, Bourne? Absolutely. I think he's he's going to have a stellar season. He might end up being one of the breakthrough players on the season. Uh, no question about it. Great um, uh, great rugby sense. And if you look at his running lines off the ball, that's where he brings a real X factor. He knows when to get involved. I've been uh, very consistent in harping on about how great players inject themselves into the game at the right time, knowing which lines and which shortcuts to take. Um, you know, very much like Aaron Smith. If you look at Aaron Smith, where he really started coming to his own was when he started doing the front running, where he moved the ball uh, at width. He trusted his guys on the outside to make the gain line, and he was running well in front and almost hitting that flat pass. And someone who caught onto that was TJ Perinara, uh, taking very similar lines. And there's there's been countless instances where the All Blacks have scored tries where they attack with and get that inside pass. So I think with Freedom, he's, he's probably doing more or less those uh, same little things off the ball, making sure that he gets involved at the right time. So very exciting times. And uh, someone, I think, who is going to play a major role for the Highlanders this season in Super Rugby. Cool. Um, and I've, I've not seen anything from sort of the North Island uh, teams about injury replacements to the the... Uh, Hurricanes, Chiefs, or Blues. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what comes out from those. If they've not seen anything so far, uh, if you have, then do let us know in the live chat, folks. Paul, yeah. Paul, just Paul, just on Jack Reagan. He came through the uh, through the Ulster system, so uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see if, if given the opportunity in, uh, in in Super Rugby to see how he progresses. Yes, I think I was. A couple of Irish people down there now in, in South Island. There was a prop uh, down in one of the South Island teams as well last season from memory. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, some, something I would say is there's a pattern, uh, both coaching as well as playing, uh, coaching staff and players. The South, South Island franchises have a knack to pull in uh, people from that Irish system, i.e., Ulster and Leinster. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be quite uh, interesting to see how uh, this gentleman integrates himself. And uh, obviously, the Highlanders have done some uh, very good planning because looking at their squad, 
I think it's a very complete squad. In fact, I've named them as my long shot or the value bet to win Super Rugby Aotearoa 2021. So, uh, yeah, I think very interesting times ahead. And uh, one thing I have to say is I saw that video of the Blues at the uh, Davenport Naval Base having an off-season run through the uh, mangroves. And boy, that, that looked tough at, as someone who spends a lot of time trimming back and doing a bit of conservationist work on the uh, where I live out here in Tapakura. Uh, on the mangroves, I can I can tell you, gentlemen, that is hard work. That is extremely hard work, and um, some of the boys are really struggling. So uh, hopefully, that's not a sign of things to come for the Blues fans. Uh, they pull up well, but uh, yeah, it looks like all the uh, franchises are really into their work. Lots of Broncos, lots of off-season work, um, and can't quite remember who the player was. Came within three seconds of breaking Borden Barrett's Bronco record. At the Blues. That was Jonathan Ruru. That was with, Jonathan Ruru. There you go. With that, with that very, very impressive effort. I was going to say that mudflat kind of reminded me of uh, Carisbrook Karis, down in Dunedin back in the 90s and 70s uh, during the middle of the middle of the winter. It kind of looked like porridge. So, uh, mm. I'll tell you what, mate. Those mangrove mud, it stinks. Trust me. I have a... I've a I have one of those suits where, you know, where you submerge yourself in the sewers. I wear that when I go trim out some mangroves where I live and, man, it stinks. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, interesting to see those fancy blues uh, merchandised training gear getting a good workout. Hopefully they get to wash it and reuse it. Well, we'll uh, moving on from um, Boa's sewer, sewer, sewer suit, um, <laughs> the... Um, and uh, some people may be saying that we're mixing with sewer rats by talking with uh, the uh, investment uh, companies um, that uh, that uh, that apparently is happening with. We've obviously, we've seen CVC take investments in the Pro 14, the Guinness Premiership, and are reportedly in talks with the Six Nations about taking a stake in that. Uh, and it looks like that um, the New Zealand rugby is going down a different route in discussions with Silver Lake. Uh, to sell a 15% stake in the All Blacks um, going forwards. Um, apparently, New Zealand is New Zealand rugby is valued at approximately two billion US dollars. So that 30 that 15% would equate to 30 million US dollars uh, for that uh, investment by looking at, uh, by my figures. So uh, not a small amount of cash, but also perhaps not. Uh, uh, at 30 million, I mean, what um, we were talking about, was it 100 million in reserves that uh, New Zealand rugby had at one point? Um, and obviously, they, they, they burnt a lot with this, uh, with, with COVID. Or was it 10 million reserves? But uh, yeah, it, perhaps not, not as big a number as, as I mean, it is a big number, obviously, but perhaps not a bigger number as, as, as some people might think about. Yeah, look, valuing businesses is an interesting uh, sort of process altogether. It'd be really interesting to see that number, two billion, what is actually valued as tangible assets and what is attributed to goodwill of the branding and trademarks they own. Um, so look, the, guys, the reality is private equity is going to be playing a, a huge and crucial role in professional sport, not just rugby, but all professional sports going forward. Um, the European leagues, uh, especially the French clubs, uh, they are very proactive and they're doing a, you know, a very good job with uh, 
professionalizing the sport, bringing in private equity. And if you recall, um, Augustine Pichot, the unsuccessful World Rugby uh, chairman candidate, uh, one of the key elements he was looking at was bringing in more private equity to the game and looking at diluting some of those funds to the Pacific Islands and some of the unions which really needed the cash. Uh, but you have to understand, guys, one of the uh, pitfalls of professionalizing the game is that we will see the amateur side of the game start to thin out in certain areas over a period of time. Hopefully, New Zealand rugby with this cash injection, uh, and I hope they get every cent they've uh, set out and bargained for. Some of that money actually is put into clearly set out and defined programs which target the grassroots so that more player participation, uh, more volunteer participation, and also make the game safer, more uh, uh, player, referee, uh, administrative education can go on. And, you know, we, we can actually look at fortifying the grassroots level of the game. But when you think that the CDC is looking at 365 million for 14.5% uh, of the six nations, uh, which would equate to 60 million per per country, uh, that looks that's actually that's sterling, not not US dollars. So that's a different um, different currency, which doesn't help. Um, I was going to say it's, it's twice what New Zealand rugby is going to get, but actually with that being um, uh, being a different currency, that doesn't that doesn't work. But uh, yeah, look, it's still serious amounts of cash flying around. But what you are doing uh, is you are selling off essentially your future uh, income. So whilst you get this windfall now, you spend it, but that means your income is going to be 15% less over the next um, however many years. Uh, if you're selling off a permanent stake, then it's forever. Uh, and that money does, is going to go somewhere else. So interesting to see uh, that taking that move, yeah, is it worth, uh, yeah, what, what's what's worth, but what, what's, can you invest it enough that you create a bigger return than that 15% every year, year every year um, going forwards? Or are you actually are you actually losing out in the long run? It'll be interesting. It's uh, it's a difficult one to uh, to, to to figure out, but um, yes, interesting. Paul, just um, Paul, I was about to say in terms of um, Silver Lake. Obviously, they're a global uh, private equity firm. They're focused on what investments, technologies, um, things like that. Um, but they're only just basically on Google. They're only 20, 21, 21 years years old. Um, yeah, it's 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 a real it's a real interesting one. But I, I suppose in the market that we've got at the moment, one one thing that the New Zealand Rugby Union has got going for it. We're actually going to, hopefully, if we remain COVID-free, unlike, you know, some of the other competitions we'll, we'll, we'll get to shortly, um, at least we're, we're fortunate enough to actually see some rugby, so that's something that they've got on site whilst negotiating. True. And, yeah, and also, is the situation we're in is uh, is fantastic. We look at New Zealand cricket, for example. They were expecting on making a serious loss um, this year because the test matches they had lined up were against teams mm -hmm. that they traditionally lose money against. Um in the end, they've had bumper crowds against West Indies and Pakistan, and they've ended up making actually they're in the black. They're not making a loss, which is so. Yeah, it's the the situation that the New Zealand 
sporting organisations find themselves in is by far uh, the is is yeah is a very good one, a very strong one uh, in in, in, the, in the global market space. Yeah, gentlemen, what I was going to say was if NZR uh, or any New Zealand sporting body, particularly to NZR because of the branding and trademarks they own, uh, they should have no problem attracting even bigger investment, i.e. more private equity. And it could, could end up being something like Mark Robinson ending up going to something like the uh, the Dragon's Den or the Shark Tank and presenting a case study where they, where they park in and have a negotiation. And, and, and really, the... From from an investment point of view, I mean, having uh, having been a serial entrepreneur all my life, for an investor, uh, the attractiveness of a business is the equity stake they have and how they maximize the return on investment. So this is where private equity firms will use things like innovation, bringing new technology and uh, new avenues of income, which traditional organizations would have otherwise not thought about. So there, there are some significant pluses as well, but at the same time, organizations like NZR can't lose sight of the fact that the game survives and evolves around that grassroots and some of that money. In fact, a major portion of that money will need to be pumped back into the grassroots to make sure that we have wider participation. And given that we are in a COVID-free environment, um, you know, some of these um, larger private equity owners for them it's 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 a bit of, it's a bit of a gamble it's a bit of a punt so for the uh for the um how can i put it for a uh, a better swap of lifestyle coming down to a country where there's uh, where it's called free it's, it's kind of like some of these rich uh, owners of the syndicates in the americas come hey come down to new zealand enjoy the lifestyle make sure you bring your cash load up nzr and in turn the game will thrive. Yep. You know, guys, despite a, a, a sort of rough year for the uh, CEO, Mark Robinson, he's a, he's a pretty smart cookie. He's, uh, he was educated at Cambridge uh, University. So I, I think he's got a, you know, I think he's got a few clues. Um, he'll know exactly what he, what he wants and, and what's required uh, financially for the game. And just given the market that we've got at the minute, I think sometimes it might be a take of, might be a case of take what you, what you're given, and I know where Paul's coming from with the uh, with the negotiations that's going on and around uh, Six Six Nations uh, rugby as well. But boy, even for sponsors, it must be nervous times. Oh, it, the strong brands like the All Blacks will always find sponsors. That's a certain. Um, I yeah, my my yeah, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on 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 on, uh, on the current CEO of New Zealand rugby. I'm not. Uh, there's definitely been certain aspects of their negotiations and how they've treated partners recently that I'm that, that I haven't agreed with so we'll see maybe he is getting it right um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see moving on then um, so this weekend um, we've already lost the uh, European champions sorry the Heineken European Champions Cup um, and the European Challenge Cup now both of those competitions have been suspended um, indefinitely uh, so that means these next two rounds of games, are not going to happen, uh, but they have uh, they are asked they are hoping to schedule those later in the season. Quite how they're going to do that when there are no open weekends, I've got no idea. The top fourteen apparently are looking at playing some games this weekend, but I've not seen a schedule yet as to which ones they're going to play. The Gallagher Premiership has said they will take two weeks off. When you think actually, you know what? Why couldn't they have brought games for them later in the season to these two weekends? The teams are ready to play, 
Um, and then you could have you open a window later in the season. But nope, they're not going to do that. Um, a bit of pigheadedness, it seems like to me. Um, we'll see what the Pro 14 is doing. I've not seen any reports from that. But a whole bunch of cancellations there. Um, also, this weekend was supposed to be the top league um, kicking off in Japan. Um, and uh, we already, as um, Rich Freeman, who is the, the preeminent English uh, uh, writing reporter of, of the top league, has already said they already have their first two results before the weekend even starts um, because they've had two games cancelled, which means two nil on draws. Um, for those already, um, that's going to be a record, hasn't it, Boa? Managing to uh, get results in before you before your competition's even started. Yeah, punter's dream, you know. <laughs> oh, I always think, can I get a Sunday paper on a Friday so I can make sure I place my bits nice and early for Saturday's races? But hey, that's never going to happen. Uh, so yeah, I think three teams: uh, Santori, Sangolaith, uh, Toyota, Wiblitz, and uh, Canon. Uh, those three teams, sixty players and officials testing positive. Um, uh, Japan with the privacy laws they don't actually come out and say who's got it and the fourth team uh, they've said two players have tested positive uh, pre-announcement so uh, with look guys what's with what's happening in Japan I mean it's the I think the Japanese government in certain uh, areas require their citizens to wear a mask whilst they're staying indoors in their own house so uh, yes the, the risk is huge and the same thing you know right around these European leagues I think uh, the, the French government came out and said, you know, rugby, any type of sport for the next month, nothing doing. So these guys are taking a massive risk and uh, trying to mix and mingle all these leagues across uh, Europe. is, it, Guys, the risk is just too great because unknowns are uh, immense. And soon as something goes wrong, the rugby as a whole will take a massive amount of flack. So I think a bit of sanity needs to prevail and it has to be a bit more of a wait and see approach. Go on, Paul, I was going to say, um, with the cancel, with, with with the postponement of the the premiership, probably the most frustrated man around would probably be uh, Pat Lamb with uh, Bristol on a bit of a roll and uh, a four point lead in the uh, in the Gallagher Premiership, and of course uh, handing uh, Exeter their second consecutive loss, which um, mate we haven't uh, haven't seen for a very very long time, and and who would have thought Newcastle Falcons? Be sitting there in second place, so yeah, some crazy, some crazy things happening. So those coaches, you know, competitions are all about momentum, and when you do take a bit of a break, it's hard to get that momentum again. And we saw a perfect example of a, of a team that probably needed a break to start a Super Rugby last year. The Highlanders started really badly, and coming back the second second time under the uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa, they looked like a completely different team. Well, yeah, so did the Chiefs. Who could buy it? They did the switch. <laughs> yeah, switch. And, and uh, Steve, the you, you make a very valid point regarding the Bristol Bears. Uh, and also, I think uh, Pat Lamb fought tooth and nail to get semi Radradra available. Um, <laughs> not letting him uh, go on for some training with Fiji. So he got his way. And then, hello, COVID comes along. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a. A bit of a bummer for Bristol, uh, who've been playing some tremendous rugby, but it is what it is. And who knows? Some of the teams who've been struggling and um, you know who've been wallowing at the bottom of the ladder might be a good chance for them to reset. Look at some of the uh, because I, I you know I, I speak to most of these uh, coaches and analysts from Europe on a very regular basis. They do spend a lot of time 
um, analyzing video and in the process, you know, I get a chance to um, work with some of these guys and send some stuff through and it's, it's a great learning environment. So these guys have been overdrive. So it, um, it's, it's an untimely reset for some clubs such as the Falcons and the Bears. But at the same time, for the other op uh, opponents, uh, for example, Exeter Chiefs, uh, who had a bit of a, who's starting to see a bit of a, a slump, good chance for them to reset and come back better. And a, and a couple of guys playing really well for Bristol as well. Uh, Charles Piatau, he must be probably one of the most dangerous backs outs, outside backs in the Gallagher Premiership at the moment. And a guy who I've been hugely impressed with, um, and we know him from his days here at the suburbs here in, in Auckland, is Nathan Hughes who's played a few games for England. Boy, he has been a beast on the back of the scrum. And, you know, great to, great to see uh, Stephen Luatua adding some great value. And, of course, the evergreen um, John Arfoa still run, running around or doing the business at, at, at scrum time. And, and boy, um, came up with some real key scrums in the closing minutes against uh, Exeter. That was a really good game of footy. It was a stronger, stronger squad. Uh, Exeter had, had actually put Put on the uh, put on the paddock uh, this time, but it was a good competitive game, you know, um, in, in testing conditions. Yeah, we are we are seeing a lot of more uh, competitive games. Uh, I think it was was it the Wasps game where there was uh, was it fourteen tries scored. Um, so yeah, in 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 trying conditions, I think all teams are, are are looking at varying their attack because this has been a theme over the last three weeks. Talking to a number of these analysts these teams are actually trying to vary their attack. They're trying to focus more ball in hand as opposed to look at getting kick gain meters. Uh, so we are starting to see some interesting trends coming up. Uh, so a bit unfortunate that this whole COVID things come up, but I think we are going to see more and more disruptions because I was, I was listening to Professor Michael Baker on Talkback Radio today. You know, man spoke some incredible sense and with this new strand coming up, uh, and how the vaccine rollout works and how the compatibility and adaptability of this virus, it is going to be extremely difficult, extremely difficult for countries in Europe to combat this. Uh, and by mixing, you know, three leagues across Europe, it's only going to increase the risk. So uh, very interesting times for professional rugby in Europe. That's for sure. And keep in mind, the British and Irish Lions might just give the Springboks their dream... Um, Come true for next year. They might try to be a tour. Okay, then. So predictions, boys. Um, we're going to go through the competitions that are coming up this year, uh, and I want to uh, have your will they will, will they go ahead or, 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 or will, they, will they will they will they go ahead or and if they do go ahead, will they complete? But before that, Stephen. Yeah, I've got a quick question. Is moving forward, and I, I know it's probably fair to say if you probably look at one of the more consistent coaches in the in the. In the Gallagher Premiership, you'd probably have to say the Exeter Chiefs coach, uh, Rob Baxter. Is it Rob Baxter? Yeah, Rob Baxter. Baxter, yep. who, who's, who's probably been the, been been uh, one of the better coaches around. But boy, is somebody like Pat Lamb, if he keeps going on this trajectory, is he a future England coach, guys? Uh, I think he's a future um, international coach if he can find international co a team that will pay him more than Bristol will. Um, he was very clear that one of the reasons for going to Bristol from Connacht was the fact that he was going to get paid more. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, whilst he's getting paid extremely well, whilst he's enjoying it there, whilst he's being successful there, why move? So, um, yes, uh, I see him as an international coach at some point, but the uh, Bristol Bears have got very, very deep pockets, or the owner does anyway. And if he wants to keep Pat Lamb, I think he will do. <laughs> 
Yeah, but Spat's got enough. You know, he's, he's in a great spot there in Bristol, and he's he's got a little bit of a niche. I think he's he's created that very unique culture. And you're absolutely right, Stephen. Um, as far as Rob Baxter, you know, uh, bringing the Exeter Chiefs from a very average outfit to a very consistent team. So, um, yeah, very interesting to see Pat Lamb. I I I I my gut feel is that he's going to be at Bristol for as long as he can because you know he's doing great things and he's he's building his legacy there. So wait and see. So then, um, as the the competition that has got the least games left to play with just three games left um, in the Curry Cup, uh, they're going to take this weekend off. Then it's semi-finals weekend after, followed by a final. Boys, do you see the Curry Cup being able to complete? Nope, it's done and dusted. Uh, the political citrip, the political citrip in South Africa will deal to it. And um, things, you know, with this new strands spiraling out of control, a number of countries have come out and said, no, we're not la- letting any planes or ships coming in from South Africa into the country. So, you know, there's going to be a, a mini political crisis if this is not contained. And I don't think rugby is going to be used as a vehicle to deepen it. So I can't see it happening. For me, it's an absolute no. Wow, Stephen. Yeah, I'd probably go along. I'd probably go along with that. I mean, so I'm just looking at the the playoffs at the stage they're listed at, at the on uh, January the January the 24th. We don't know what's going to happen between there and then. Um, I got got a quick shout out to the to the Grickle and West who played uh, uh, Free State at home and. Um, Oh, they must have. They must. They must have been crying. They had a great opportunity to knock over the free, free state cheaters, and I think it was the first time in about twenty odd, twenty odd years. And even with uh, uh, the uh, cheaters being down to uh, fourteen players, they still basically couldn't uh, take the opportunity to take that win. But uh, yeah, just the way things are project, projecting or going in South Africa, I don't know if that that, that competition could be absolutely done and dusted. I've got to just say. It's it's pretty damn weird um, watching Curry Cup at this time of the year. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they've always said that they can't start Super Rugby this early because it's too hot, and yet they're playing Curry Cup. Um, I think they will finish. Look, they've only got three games left to go. Um, I think they'll uh, they'll they'll sneak it through with just uh, just two and a half weeks left. Um, I think they, they'll, they'll just sneak it in um, before it's finished. I'll go against you guys there. Pro 14 then, um, the next one that's going to finish with uh, a cross-country uh, in Europe. Personally, I can't see that one finishing. Boys, your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it's dead. No, same thing. I mean, you know, this outbreak is starting to really hit hard. And um, again, you know, COVID, unfortunately, has become quite political. And hmm. depending on which side of the fence you are, if you support the those in power, you know, no, no, there's no COVID, everything is fine. But if you're on the other side, if you don't support those, oh, it's 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 the worst. It's the plague. So, you know, there's just so much at stake. And and of course, from a player welfare point of view, I think we need to actually put that and forget about all these other um, sideshows. And no, I don't think it's going to happen. And um, it's another no from me. Paul, Steve? just according to according to the tribe. App the uh, next round of games isn't until January the thirty first, so uh, oh, just a, just a, just a wait and see. A lot of water under the bridge before then. No, I think I think I think, uh, I think well, the, the Pro Fourteen, the Premiership, and the Top Fourteen. Well, the Pro Fourteen, the Premiership in particular, 
um, I think are both have, haven't got a hope um, of, of, of finishing, unfortunately, with the situation there. Uh, I think France has got a bit, a slightly better handle on it. So I think the top 14 might have a chance, uh, but um, but I don't think the, the, the UK-based ones will. Um, and I think that basically also rules out the, the, uh, uh, the Six Nations, even though with the Six Nations, you've got much smaller squads. You can bubble up for a shorter period of time. But, uh, but uh, and the amount of cash that comes in from the Six Nations means I think they'll do everything they can. But, Bo? Well, the women's Six Nations has been, uh, I think, postponed. Um, and but I think I mean, men's... The, sure, but the big, the big difference between the women's and the men's one is women for four of the countries are amateurs. So you can't bubble them up. Whereas, uh, whereas with the, with the, on the men's side, because they're professionals, they don't have to do day jobs. You can just say, mate, you're sat in that hotel um, and you're only allowed in the hotel grounds apart from playing the game, um, and you're tested every day. So it's, it's a different um, it's a different situation with the women's game for, um, because, because I, of that. I, I get that, but I, my my gut feel and just talking to uh, some of my contacts at the uh, IFU, it's just probably going to be a, a bit of a precursor purely because the um, NHS some of the guidelines which they issued. Uh, we've seen some of the um, English Premier uh, football games being postponed as well so there's there's lots there's lots of lots of stake here guys and um yeah it looks like that's going to be a precursor uh yeah best best chance yep jack is that um if they get the bio bubbles bang on there are no breaches everyone does their thing and you know behave as if they're in a uh, luxurious prison do their thing turn up for training don't mix and mingle don't break those bubbles we may see some of these games uh, behind closed doors. So fingers crossed, but for me, 50-50. You could, you could arguably say some of the most delighted teams will be uh, Argien in the uh, French top 14, Gloucester in the uh, Premiership, uh, Glasgow and uh, Treviso in the respective Guinness Pro 14 because they're all sitting well and truly at the bottom of the table. So they're probably thinking, yay, our reprieve. Well, yeah, you've got to say that. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time that uh, Glasgow has uh, finished beneath um, Zebra, uh, which is just uh, which, which is um, uh, which is uh, which, which, which is amazing. So yeah, so the Six Nations may is is a maybe, but unlikely because you say they can do those, those bubbles. The British and Irish Lions. Well, when the British and Irish Lions didn't print the date of the year on their merchandise, that was a good sign that it was not going to happen <laughs> this year. Let's be blunt. Um, so, but uh, but I, I I just can't see how they can delay it a year and the impact has on everything else. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, so, well, it's I think it's four hundred and was it four hundred and thirty-two days and counting since the Springboks winning the World Cup, which haven't played rugby. I think it, it's going to end up being more like a thousand days in between World Cups before they start playing, and they'll they'll find every excuse. Um, not to play this, and uh, yeah, great telltale sign. Not printing the year on your merchandise with spotting <laughs> pole. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of people in the in, uh, to be honest, I'll, I've uh, heard that on a lot of podcasts. There's a no, numerous people have said it in the UK to be honest. With you. I, I, as I don't actually have any of the, the merchandise, I didn't spot it because this one here does have a date on, as you can, uh, and if you probably can't, you, you won't be able to see because it's too small. But yes. Um, this one from the uh, from this is this yeah this is from the Australia tour. Um, this one, but um, 
Yeah, so yeah, I think the lines are out. Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa, though, those two should go ahead, shouldn't they? I think I'm, I'm, I'm backing those two to actually happen. No question, and I think we're going to see some very exciting rugby, just the way everyone's preparing, um, talking to some of the, the coaches as well. I think this is going to be a bruising uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa 2021, and I think we're going to see some incredible standards, uh, some great footy. Hopefully, the Australian version can also live up to that in their own way. Um, but yeah, no questions. Hopefully we don't have any situations, situations at the border. Um, managed isolation goes according to plan. I mean, after all, it is our tax money, which is uh, keeping uh, everyone in check. Uh, and um, all these public servants who issue advice to us in general public, um, you know, we pay them, so we better listen to them and make sure that we don't make any uh, stuff ups. And um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to see uh, tremendous Super Rugby Aotearoa, Super Rugby AU. Yeah, probably you know, in in, in their own way, it's going to be exciting. So uh, bring it on! Can't wait. And I think look, there's there is a possibility that we'll see some disruption of Super Rugby AU, but I still think it will go ahead. I, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I think, I think New Zealand, as long as our border border control still remains strong, there's no community outbreak. I, th I think we, I think we'll be pretty good. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think we can get complacent as a, a nation as, as well, guys. Especially when it comes to the community outbreak, because I think it will only take one community outbreak in Auckland, and I can see us going straight back into, into uh, level four. Beg your pardon. Um, as for Australia, we're already seeing in the big bash. At the moment, the, the Sydney teams are actually playing out of state. Ironically, the 76ers and the Thunders, who are who are leading that particular competition, are both playing out of New South Wales at the stage because of uh, a COVID uh, lockdown of sorts in New South Wales. And I think we could probably see something similar during the Australian season. So it might be a little bit unlucky for maybe a team like the Waratahs or maybe even, dare I say it, um, the uh, Reds, um, they could they could probably get locked out locked out of the states and maybe forced to, to basically play out of state. So uh, let, listen, listen, let's hope not. Let's let's look at it in a more more positive light and hopefully we can get some get some rugby because I think for Australian rugby site um, sake, I think a lot of their promising players that they unearthed during 2020 need to be out playing Super Rugby again in 2021. Yeah, as Aaron says, Super Rugby crossover could be in jeopardy if COVID expands in uh, Australia. Now, look, I, I think look, with, with the way things are, we're not going to see a the the the, the, the travel corridor uh, that we were hoping for um, between uh, Australia and New Zealand. So, I think we'll have to the, the crossover competition will have to be either in Australia or in New Zealand. Uh, is my guess there? So, I think they'll, uh, that's uh, again. I think they'll look at trying to make it happen, but it may not happen in the format that has been suggested um, so far. Yeah, um, and from uh, one thing I would say, especially with COVID and not us being not not getting complacent here in New Zealand, um, with with what we are doing uh, at community rugby level, obviously 
preseason is in full swing now here in New Zealand, especially my club out in Manuka. We are taking uh, a number of precautions to make sure that we still continue with some of those protocols. Where, you know, players bring their own bottles. There's no sharing uh, of drink bottles and just little things like that, you know, just to make sure that we stay on top of this, be, where we are proactive and those good behavioral habits continue so that even if in the unlikely event there is an outbreak, we're ready for it. Um, and it doesn't hinder things too much because uh, I'll tell you what, at grassroots rugby, nothing uh, nothing is more worse than for these players uh, than to not play any rugby. You know, they all get very itchy and the message board goes buzzing all, all the time. So, um, yeah, I think Stephen, absolutely right. We can't get complacent. We have to stay on top of this. And if there are, you know, basic hygiene protocols everyone needs to adhere to, they should do it. Nice and simple. Now, Mike, just, just before you say how happy you are, though, Stephen, uh, as the one person outside of Auckland, I, I will be uh, getting hold of my uh, MP now and saying, build a wall along the top of Bombay's, um, so that when 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 you when you guys have your outbreak, we can just close the gate and we'll be fine. Sorry, go. Good on you, Paul. And we thought and, you, and we thought you loved us, but there you go. <laughs> Look, don't let, a, don't let a little bit of COVID get in between a relationship, mate. Speaking of relationships, just want a big shout out to Manasi Kuya Lelenoa. Manasi, last time I saw you, and that was only a few days ago on FB, you were in, lying in a hospital bed. So I hope you you're all good at this time, my man. Manasi, a very, very good halfback who played for uh, Bombay and Mount Wellington in the Auckland uh, club competition. Stay well, my brother. Now mihi o Toho. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Um, the uh, yeah crossover games could be yeah. It's, yeah Aaron makes a good point there that obviously with the Australian borders open to New Zealand, the teams would would be able to go over there and play. Obviously, when they came back, they would have to um, uh, do the go through the 14 day uh, quarantine. Um, but uh, since the uh, All Blacks went to Australia last year, but maybe the uh, Wallabies or the Super Rugby teams could come to New Zealand this year um, and. Uh, the quarant and, and uh, as, as 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 a reply, we'll see how we'll see how that all pans out. Um, yeah, not to we'll have to see about where vaccines are and where we are by June, July. I think that's uh, one of the things that twenty twenty one has taught us is that we can that uh, looking more than a couple of weeks ahead in these kind of things can become very <laughs> can be very very difficult to predict how those things happen. So, but I guess one of the things I, I guess out of all this is what we're basically saying is look. The, the players down here are going to get game time. The players in Europe are, are potentially going to struggle. So uh, South Africa, obviously, plays, they have, have, are, are not looking like much. So you never know. Uh, that means the Rugby World Cup, surely then, is going to be a Wallabies All Blacks final, um, as no one else will have played and no one else will, will be uh, progressing their game. So the Rugby World Cup 2023 in uh, in, in France will be won by, uh, by Australia or New Zealand. That's my There we go. That's my prediction. Yeah, well, the Springboks are going to be way out of luck because they will come up with the excuse saying they need 500 minutes of first-class rugby to compete at any level. So that's not going to happen. I think they will go very successfully World Cup to World Cup with playing zero to very little rugby. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting times ahead. Um, mm -hmm. Purely from a high-performance preparation point of view. Because at what point, at what point, do uh, a union like the Springboks, no, guys, we actually need to start playing some rugby. We need to actually test the waters and see where we're at. So, ooh, big question, Mark. Big Imagine, question, Mark. But as, as, as you say, the, the problem though there is that rugby is so intrinsically linked with politics um, and with the outbreak that they're having. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But, 
it, it does make you wonder if South Africa actually missed the trick not playing in the rugby championship, guys. Just just saying. They had that opportunity to be there. And, you know, I think they, I actually think they might have missed the boat. But, hey, just saying. I just want to mention a couple of other quick things as well, guys. Uh, Sevens Rugby, I was talking to the um, uh, senior head, senior coach of uh, Takapuna, and he mentioned that one of his players was about to sign a, uh, a New Zealand Sevens contract uh, this week, very promising uh, Moses Leo, but there were four spots open in that New Zealand uh, Sevens team. I know uh, Brady Rush from Northland also very close to maybe putting the putting pen to paper with the New Zealand uh, Sevens squad, but boy... <laughs> Where is the seven? Okay, we're signing. You, you might be signing one of these contracts, looking at your future. But what are the what is the future of sevens at the minute, fellas? Uh, well, clearly, I mean, look with New Zealand being about the only team, or perhaps perhaps the USA as well, but the only two two, two countries left in the world that still actually have a professional sevens team, um, as it's been scrapped in, in, in a lot of countries. That um, the the Olympics. So they, okay, plan as though it's going to happen, even if it doesn't. Because hey, there's gold medals on the, on the table there, and those are those are rare as hen's teeth. Let's be honest for for, for small countries. Yeah, look, uh, sevens rugby, I think, is going to have a, a very very tough time coming up ahead. Very very difficult period, purely because short short tournaments, couple of days, weekends, and with the uh, you know biological bubble, quarantine rules, it's it, and travel restrictions, it's simply uh, not practical. And of course, for me, I think the biggest turning point, the biggest signal uh, in, in all this, the turning uh, of sevens and more focus onto the 15s was recall when Adi Severe uh, pulled out of his sevens contract and said, no, I, I want to be an all black. I want to be playing the 15s game. Um, and clearly with the 15s really dominating things and with Super Rugby Aotearoa being the showpiece of all first class rugby right around the world, uninterrupted. Uh, purely because of uh, COVID, etc. Um, yeah, I think from a from a player's career point of view, uh, pursuing the 15s and wanting to be All Black is 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 a no brainer. So um, really interesting, but but you can't knock people for wanting to be part of something. So I wish all these players who are signing up for the sevens all the very best. Uh, it's going to be. Um, you know, at times tricky and frustrating times, some of these players, because all they can actually do is play in tournaments within New Zealand. So, um, yeah. Okay, okay, guys, and just before we go, we started with the quiz, Paul. Well, so no, 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 sorry, go, go, just going back a second. Uh, good point by Aaron here. So, what will Caleb Clark do? Well, yeah, not just Caleb Clark, but we also had um, uh, Karoy from the Highlanders, I think, was also had a, uh, a sevens contract right. and a couple of others as well. Uh, well, I, I think he'll play Super Rugby, and will. But um, hey, the law of a gold Olympic gold medal. Why? Why not keep um, a, a, keep keep your um, keep your eye on it? Because there's not going to be. I, we just said we don't expect a lot of um, uh, 15s Test matches to be played. I know that New Zealand wants to play 15 games this year. I, I just can't see that happening. Um, so hence, hey, if if somehow they make Tokyo happen, uh, why why not? We might, we might say. And guys, we started, we started with a quiz. I want to end with a quiz, but I'll be the, I'll be the toastmaster this time. Um, <clears throat> what we're basically looking at, fellas, is the most number of games played by a Super Rugby, rugby player, and we're talking top nine here. I will give you a clue. Paul, we'll start with you. Number one, most number uh, of Super Rugby games. 
Pardon? Uh, sorry, just just Kiwis or or across all countries? No, across all across all countries, and I'll give you I'll give you guys a, a, a clue. So I'm going to wait. Croczilla number one. Yep, spot on. Number, and I'll give you I'll give you a clue as well. Um, number two played for the Chiefs. What? Mm, number two plays John Gibbs. No, Paul. Um, was the least board. Well, I'll, I'll go Sam Kane, but it's not. Um, but uh, no, oh, um, uh, Kane. Right. No good. That comes back to the house. It was Liam. Liam Messon. Liam Messon. Uh, Liam number, Messon. Number, number three. I'll go to you, uh, Boa. Um, uh, this man played for the Blues and the Chiefs. Absolute legend. Played in the front row. Let you quickly. Oh, I was going to say played fullback. Okay, no. Oh, played, in, okay. Played, played in the front row, boy. Losing Chiefs, playing the front row. Oh, I'm having a blank moment. Absolute. Absolute. Uh, pass, Paul. Pardon? Pass. I, 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 I was going for for Mills, my, my, Mills Molina. Yeah, same, same. Fullback, yeah, okay. Mills. Okay, fastest answer. Fastest answer. Played hooker. Uh, played are we talking no. former Tongan captain? Uh... Comes back, this comes back to the house. He was a former All Black as well. Played for the Chiefs and the Blues. Oh, come on. You got hey, Kevin, didn't, didn't, Kevin Milama didn't play for the, the Chiefs, did he? Yeah. Boom. Did he? Boom, he did. Yes, he did. He did? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, number number three was a former Australian captain who played hooker. Uh, more. Stephen Moore, yeah. Number number five is a, a former All Black midfielder. He's a bit of a legend, and he played for three different New Zealand franchises. No, Noni. Yep, correct. Uh, six is a former Australian lock who played for both the Reds and the Force. Nathan Sharp. Yes, spot on. Number seven, a former South African loosehead prop who played for the Sharks, and he's a dual World Cup winner. Oh, the, the boss, Osturant. Oh, who said the beast? I said the beast. Yes, you're right. Ding, and, uh, and the other two, the other two, we won't worry about. We'll come up with another. <laughs> we'll we'll come up with another play next week, guys. But hey, well done. I'll call it the, a God, I was, I, was, um, you know, the, the scary thing is I feel like I know more about the Wallabies than the All Blacks. <laughs> I know. They're living rent-free rent in your head, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. Like oh, I didn't realize we were to the Chiefs, but there you go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I must say that, that fact eluded me. I didn't realize Kevin Miller who played for the Chiefs. I thought he was like through and through Otahuhu and the Blues. That's yeah, it. It's a bit and like Doug Hilton. Douglas Hallett. Doug Hallett played for the Highlanders. I think he played for the Highlanders, the Blues, and maybe the Hurricanes. I seem to be corrected on that. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another player that I would have said, yeah, was Blues through and through, but there you go. Um, cool. Thank you very much, guys, for joining me. We'll be back to next week at um, 8 p.m. on Tuesday for the uh, Driving More show uh, with all rugby basically being cancelled. I'm really not sure what we are going to talk about. So, folks, um, I'm going to throw this open to the listeners. Please email me, uh, paul at nzsportradio.com, or tweet me 
uh, or Facebook message me with your questions, and we'll have a Q and A session from the uh, fr from the listeners um, and from the viewers. Uh, any any questions you have, um, rugby related. Um, by the way, because I've had questions like "Who's your girlfriend?" and stuff before on the live chat. So we'll just keep with them. Um, we'll just keep with the rugby related, please, folks. Um, and we'll we'll have a Q and A next week. Uh, plus, obviously, anything that comes up over the next seven days. Um, yeah, Boa and Stephen, uh, put put your thinking hats on and on, on for topics for next week because, hey, as I say, uh, it's it's going to be lean pickings. I think at the moment. Could, Thank could you very much. Quick quiz night. Could be a quiz night, and Doug Hallett did play for the Hurricanes as well. So three different franchises. Wow. Yeah, that is great, uh, great initiative for you. And listeners, you ask, we answer. So there you go. And uh, yeah, actually, has, okay. Well, God, has anyone played for all five provinces in New Zealand? That is a very, very good question, Paul. I'm pretty sure there is. There, I'm pretty sure there is a player that's played. Uh, well, I, I would say no. There's the one that played for four and just not the Crusaders because the Crusaders refused to play for anybody else and vice versa. So, <laughs> they're, 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 so <laughs> yeah. But, wow. um, let us know, folks, if you know of uh, of any um, players who have uh, yeah played for all five provinces. Uh, yeah, Nocturnal Rights is greatest All Blacks of all time. We've done that before, but hey, we could uh, we could roll that one out as well if. Uh, if there's nothing, uh, if, 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 if we run out of topics or ideas. Um, but, folks, um, thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you very much, Boa. It's been an absolute pleasure, um, as always. Thank you, everyone, who's joined us in the live chat and everyone who listens. Um, we do uh, really appreciate the fact that you do join us um, every week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.